0: Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hang up. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support. Because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you back to the Better Life and Recovery Hashtag Hope Dealer Podcast. Today, I am here with Wayne... What? Pierman. Pierman. Um, Yeah, it's... Kind of weird, isn't it? Not going like I'm Wayne P. Right. (laughs) So uh, what we're here to do uh, today is 10 questions with somebody in recovery with Wayne.
1: So first, Wayne, how long have you been in recovery? So I showed up to my 12-step program July 21st of 2018, and uh, I've managed to stay sober that entire time.
0: That's awesome. So hmm, when did you start using to begin with?
1: So that that's a good question. So I started using back in 2009 after a motorcycle accident that I was in. Um, Kind of a weird deal though, before I even ever used, I kind of felt different, uh, less than my peers. So I knew something was going on. um, But I didn't really understand really what was going on until I started actively using and learned that I was, an addict um slash alcoholic however you want to describe that
0: so i I don't know i'm gonna have to break in and so what do you mean like like less than what do you mean by that feeling
1: so uh for instance let's say i'm on the playground and i'm looking at my peers uh, my classmates and they're having a good time and i am stuck inside my head and you know and i'm a child during this time um And I'm not sure there's a lot of children that felt that way, but that's definitely how I felt. Um, I didn't feel like I can associate with my peers. So I didn't really know what was going on, but I just felt different.
0: So you never felt like you fit in? Correct. Okay. Okay, thanks for breaking that down a little bit for me. I wasn't sure what you meant. I'm like, I think I know. But uh, I don't know. I heard not to make assumptions, something about you and umption. So, anyway, I never figured that one out. <laughs> so, uh, what made you decide to stop?
1: Honestly, I didn't want to stop, right? So, it really just quit working for me. You know, the reason why I use drugs and alcohol is because it was a solution that worked um, until one day it didn't. And really that's just the quick answer to that question.
0: So I know this isn't one of the questions, but I like to go off script because that's kind of what we do. And you said you wanted to roll without the questions anyway. You're like, don't send them to me. Let's just jump into this and do it unfiltered. So you said that it happened after a motorcycle accident. So did you start off with opioids then?
1: Yeah, so it was opioids. um, And I'll never forget, it wasn't the first time I took them. But um, I was working at a pool in Republic, and um, you know, they were prescribed to me. They had my name on the bottle. So everything was legal in that sense that I was allowed to take this medication. Um, but I'll never forget the day I, you know, I just had this overwhelming feeling um, that I felt okay in my own skin. And I knew at that point, I'm like, I have arrived. This is what I've been looking for. At that time, I felt like I can finally be with my peers, be present, and not have to worry about what you're thinking about me. Um, You know, and and that was that. You know, it really took off from there.
0: So it kind of gave you confidence.
1: Uh, Yeah, of course. Yeah, it put on a mask over the mask that I was already wearing, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I've always said that a lot of times we're kind of like chameleons. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we, we're able to fit in from group to group to group, and sometimes we're able to do that without substances, and sometimes it's the substances that allow us to do that. Right. So, how old were you then at that time? Because you said you were working at Republic Pool. So, yeah,
1: I think I was, uh, I think I was eighteen years old at this time, <clears throat> and I'm 31 today. Uh, I turned 32 this next month. Um, so, you know, I've only been sober for almost three years now.
0: You'd say only dude, that's three years. <laughs> I'm like, Bam! Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, very exciting. It really is. You know, my life looks nothing like it did in the past. Um, you know, I can live happy, joyous and free. Not only am I sober, but I am truly happy, joyous and free today. Um, there are times I feel uncomfortable in my own skin still. But I know that will pass, and I continue to do the next right thing, and uh, you know eventually it passes, and wind up having a pretty good day for the most part.
0: Okay. So, what does recovery mean to you?
1: Um, you know that's just a loaded question. You know, recovery to me means that first of all that you know you're sober. you know, that you're living a sober lifestyle, that you're building a set standard for yourself um, that leads to a happy, joyous, and free life. Um, Recovery means that I can have an actual relationship with you, and I'm not stuck in my head thinking about what you think about me. Um, You know, and that's, that's just where I stick to it.
0: Okay. So what were the things that got you into recovery to begin with?
1: Um... So I had a friend. Um, We used to live uh, not the greatest life outside of sobriety. Uh, We kind of ran together. Uh, We sold a lot of drugs together, Um, you know, and he showed me how to live that lifestyle because honestly, Even when uh, I wasn't sober, I was still a pretty transparent, honest person. And he let me know real quick that that's just not going to work in that kind of lifestyle. People are going to take advantage of you. um, And you're probably going to wind up dead, to be honest. So, um, you know, I ran with this guy. You know, even when I met him, I was trying to get sober. I was tapering off this, tapering off that, you know, substituting a certain drug for another one. Um, just trying to find my own solution and uh, while this guy just didn't even care, he was you know living the life that we live and um, one day he stops you know something happened to him and uh, he w- wound up in a 12-step program and I was happy for him I really was. Uh, I was just honestly waiting on the sideline waiting for him to come back out and so we can keep doing what we're doing um, but he never showed back up. So he would check in on me maybe once or twice a month. He would stop by the house um, because honestly, at this point in my life, I couldn't even leave the house. Um, Paranoia, you know, just the anxiety of it all. Honestly, too sick to even get out of bed. So he would come in and check on me. And, um, you know, one day he said it was going to be the last time that he was going to talk to me. But he said, why don't you just come to these meetings, man? And, you know, I told him, like, man you know i don't have a problem um you know i just need to quit using that that's just the main thing and um you know i'm different than everybody else and no one has a solution and he's like well what are you doing today and that was like i i had these weird mental blank spots and like god granted me like this moment of clarity where i really looked at my life and i'm like answered him honestly i'm like just going to sit on the couch and get high and do what I do, you know? And he's like, well, why don't you try something different? And, uh, for some reason I said, yes. And, you know, I showed up to the 12 step program and I never left. Um, you know, I saw people who were like me, uh, at least they convinced me that they were like me at one time, um, because they were all laughing and having a good time. And I'm sitting here in the corner saying, you know, how can you smile you know how can you have a good time so that was my first experience in a 12-step program and uh you know i I just let god take the reins from there on out and that's just how it turned out
0: so i think you kind of delved into it a little bit but in early recovery what was the the one thing you would say above all other things that helps you maintain it
1: okay so you know Becoming sober is one thing, but like I said, you know, you come into these 12-step programs and you think if if I just quit using uh, or drinking or doing what you're doing, um, I'm going to have a better life. And that is true, Um, but there's so much more to it. You know, I didn't truly understand that you could be happy, joyous, and free. Um, So I'll be honest with you, when I first came into the program, um, I got a sponsor very quick. Um, really awesome guy and he worked with me for about three months and he, he still continues to be my sponsor um, but this disease is very interesting right so this disease told me that um, I had a drinking problem um, and really what it was it was a life problem okay so what I mean by that is you know let's use the term alcoholism Uh, for instance. Um, so whenever I, I came into the program, I was using, um, marijuana still. Okay. So I would go to these meetings and my alcoholism would tell me that I'm sober. And then right after the meeting, I would go home and smoke weed. Right? So right there, I didn't realize how deep this disease was inside my mind. Um, I had a friend that came over to check on me. Um, I was three months, quote unquote, sober. um, And they had a key and they came in the house. It was a total God thing. Um, She walks in and she's like, what are you doing? Because she could tell that I was high. And at that moment, God held, held a mirror up to my face and was like, Do you see, like, do you see what you're doing? You're still doing it. This is exactly what they've been trying to tell you and teach you about. Um, So I got honest with my sponsor immediately. And from that day, I have been sober, um, happy, joyous, and free. And so that's just really what sold it to me. You know, God showed up in my life and said, here, this is what you're doing. um, And you need to really dive into this thing or it's going to kill you.
0: Yeah, I think in the program you're in, you can't smoke weed until you're an old-timer, right? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> that, that and LSD. Okay. Right.
0: Uh, well, it kind of was the Bill W.A., right? I uh, mean, he tried so many different things because mm-hmm. he's like, at least I am not drinking chaotically. So maybe this, you know, I know, I mean, some of the things they're using in different treatments now. You know, uh, I know I was, we had a place come talk to us and they do uh, ketamine therapy. For people with uh, major depressive episodes and trauma that doesn't react to uh, medication, so I mean, there's got to be some innovative things,
1: right? yeah, and you know, um I'll definitely say I am a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I also want everyone to know that my opinions uh, have no weight. And how the Alcoholics Anonymous um, program is ran. So, you know, everything that I'm talking about today is just an opinion of mine. Um, it should not reflect Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole. Um, but yeah, I mean, when Bill W. Uh, wrote that book, they knew what they were doing because they don't just talk about alcohol, they talk about alcoholism. And they they talk about people using drugs and uh, using over-the-counter medicine in that book. You know, I think they started with small steps to get you where you needed to be and let you figure that out um, as you progress in your sobriety. So I really appreciate that about them. You know, and I I truly believe there probably are other innovative ways of using medication um, to get you to the spot that you need to be in because... Honestly, I did. I took those steps as well, um, although they were not prescribed to me. Um, you know, I wound up taking Suboxone to get myself off of Fentanyl and tapered off of that. You know, and really funny story I'll tell you about that is there was this heroin dealer, right? Um, and he came to me and said, "Wayne, you got a problem." And that's about <laughs> you know, it's pretty serious when a heroin dealer comes to you and says, "Hey, man, like you need to stop using." Um, and so he showed me suboxone. Um, I had no idea it existed, but it started to show me a little bit of what reality should look like. And that was scary, right? So I started to see reality for what it should be. Um, even though that's a very powerful medication, you know, even on this, this packaging, it says do not taper. Um, so of course As the alcoholic I am or addict, however you want to describe it, I did the very thing that they tell you not to do, Um, you know, and just really took steps to get off that medication and slowly but surely just made it a success story. So, um, yeah, I truly believe there are other ways um, to get sober, but, you know, that's kind of why I'm here and hanging around you guys, because I'm interested in seeing how people are happy, joyous, and free and sober um, you know, without a 12 step program, um, or in other ways. So I'm excited to be here for sure.
0: Kind of checking out the, uh, the multiple pathways.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. I've always said, you know, I wasn't, a, I didn't chaotically use just one thing. So maybe I should in my recovery, chaotically use multiple things to keep my, my recovery going.
1: Yeah. We always say, you know, you don't know what it is that's keeping you sober. So we always add to it. We never take away. So I mean, it, some days it does feel like I have to work more than, uh, normal people, so to speak, who are not addicts or alcoholics. Um, but in the long run, um, it's pretty cool to step back and see how we handle life just that much better than people who can afford to ignore their problems. You know, they're uncomfortable when they, people who are not addicts and alcoholics, like they they get uncomfortable right? Um, For an addict, alcoholic who ignores their problems, it kills us. So, I mean, it really is a blessing in disguise once you get to that point of sobriety.
0: Yeah, you mentioned something. It's one of the things I like uh, about a lot of Bill W's old timers that a lot of, uh, that I dislike about a lot of Jimmy K's old timers. How about that? Is uh, that stance on medication? Like Bill W was like, listen, we aren't It's none of our business. You know what? We are not doctors, and therefore we have no opinion on outside, and that is outside of our scope. Mm -hmm. Right? So if somebody wants to take medication for their mental health, more power to them.
1: Right. There's this line in the book, I truly live by, um, you know, they say that God is either either everything or he is nothing. So for me to put God in a box and say that something can or cannot work, that, that is something I have no business in. And I think they understood that when they wrote that book um, because this thing is way bigger than us. So I like to take a step back, um, and I'm just here to help the next guy, right? So that's my job, and I, I like to stay in my lane and keep my side of the street clean. And that's where I, I'm happy, joyous, and free. You know, I don't have a lot of stuff running around in my mind because I don't have to worry about all that.
0: Yeah, and Bill W. also in one of the, what are they called, grapevines? Um, They quoted him. uh, He was at a convention and they uh, had published it in a grapevine where he basically said one of his biggest fears is that people would develop dogmatic ideas, um, which tend to happen when you get a group of people together that something is effective for. And he said his hope was that people wouldn't form dogmatic ideas and feel like this way is the only way, because he said, it's been our experience that our way does not work for other ways. So we pr- we're fine with people utilizing other ways. We're here for the people that our program works for. Right. right. So even he was open to multiple pathways back in the day. He worked a humble program where he didn't believe his way was the only way.
1: Right. You know, and, um, just that's kind of why I'm here. You know, I'm excited to see just other 12 step programs, you know, just a 12 step program in a whole um, seems to be the way to be, you know, the, the the way to really get to that spot that you need to be so you can have a conscious contact and relationship with a higher power, God, whatever you want to call it. Um, and you'll know if it's working, you know, because you're going to be put to limits test. There's going to be a lot of life things that happens, whether it be deaths, careers, um, job changes, you know, relationships, and, uh, these things will be tested in a sense. Um, so you're going to know if it's real or not. Um, you know, and that, that's really up to you and whoever you're working with and the people around you, um, to kind of see what needs to change and what doesn't, um, and what works and what doesn't. So,
0: so speaking of what's the most important thing that you feel you've done for your recovery,
1: um, at the beginning, it was just being consistent. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people come in to these twelve step programs, and they'll be like, "Well, I have enough time to come once or twice a week because that's the only thing that—that's uh, the only time that my job allows me." Um, you know, I have a family, um, but in the back of my mind, to be honest, and sometimes I am upfront with them, um, you're not going to have any of those things if you don't stick around. You're not going to make it. You know, I've seen a lot of really good men and women coming to these programs, and they are just a joy to be around. But guess what? They end up dying, and you know that's just not that's just not what I want for anybody, right? So we can't force anybody to stay. Um, but being consistent, you know, that was my very important first thing that I I did, and then building this conscious contact with the higher power, um, that was huge with me. I was raised. In a very religious setting, in the sense, um, so I was raised Baptist, um, King James Version, AV, sixteen, eleven only. Um, you know, and my parents were youth leaders and song leaders, so I was well versed in Scripture. But come to find out, I didn't actually have a relationship with God, right? So the twelve step program allowed me to put everything I think I knew inside a glass jar on a shelf, right? And um, I could go back to it and inspect it later, but I was going to start a new relationship. And that was really hard for me because the way I was raised, that was actually a sin, right? Because I felt like I was denying what I thought I knew was God. And that was huge, all right? And my sponsor had to walk hand in hand with me and work with me on that. Um, And the biggest thing that he said to me that sold me on it was, But did it keep you sober and i was like holy shit!" i was like no it didn't he's like okay then let's just try to build this new relationship okay so as long as you're willing i promise you're going to see results and it's going to grow from there Um, because i was just trying to think my way through it right i was trying to come up with this idea um, of a god that was going to keep me sober and it just wasn't going to happen unless i put the work in so that was another really big thing Now today, how that looks is since I have this foundation with a God um, that I can really rely on and he gets me through everything because it gets tested quite often and it is just a firm foundation and I I love that because it's real. It's real to me um, and I've seen it work. So today, I like to pour into other people who are in the program. So that reminds me of where I came from because this disease um, is pretty interesting It'll trick you and you'll forget what it was like. Um, and sometimes it'll sound like, um, hey, Wayne, um, it's okay to drink again or okay, it's okay to use again. And, you know, that's the the, the disease talking right there, right? So I know to stay close um, to, to these newcomers so I can continue to learn and um, really just be reminded of what it was like. So uh, that's just kind of what I do uh, today.
0: Okay. So, is there one thing that you have to do every day that helps you maintain your recovery, your wellness, your mental
1: health? Well, that's the interesting thing. Um, you know, that's why I said earlier, um, it's a lot. It's a mix of a lot of things. I'm sure that keeps me sober, mentally fit, spiritually fit, you know, physically fit. Um, I just do them all, and I, you know, if I'm pouring all my time into one thing. I might just be missing that one thing that's actually keeping me sober, happy, joyous, and free, right? So prayer, of course, is a big one. I like to keep it simple. I really do. You know, most of my prayers sound like, God, I don't know what I'm doing today. Just let it be your will. Um, Just guide me. I mean, it's that simple, right? So at the beginning of the day, I like to surrender um, because I know what my life looks like when I'm in control of it, right? So I end up selling drugs, taking drugs, taking drugs. Um just really creating this horrible life and lifestyle for myself and the really just my whole family and the people around me. So prayer um is a big one, you know, along with all the other stuff that I've already talked about. So right.
0: Alrighty then. So what is it that keeps you from going back to old behaviors?
1: So you know, I've kinda already hit off on this. Um working with the new people that come in right um so i'm just reminded of what that lifestyle was like um because i forget and they're coming in and they're crying and they're just spilling their guts and usually i take a step back i'm like oh man i remember what that was like um and i don't want to go back there so that's um that's really a good reminder
0: yeah i used to joke and say uh, you know um Because I was one of those over-the-top people. Uh, I was kind of like you. I went to 150 meetings in 90 days, and I did it all high. Whoop! whoop. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I said, meeting makers, make it. And I'm like, dude, that didn't do anything for me. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. But uh, back in the day, I'd be like, you know, I've never been to a bad meeting. I either walk out going, man, I wish I was that guy, or oh, my God, I'm glad I'm not that guy anymore. Right? Mm. You know, so I think there's always people there that we can learn from at meetings if that's what your pathway is.
1: Mm. And don't get me wrong like so I don't think that I'm greater than or even less than anybody anymore. I really try to stay right-sized. Um what's crazy about this disease is I can still feel sick. You know, even though I'm sober, happy, joyous and free. There are days that I still feel sick in the head. Um for instance, so there's this thing called the phenomenon of craving, right? Um, which really, per the book that we read, you're only supposed to get if you ingest. Um, well, for some reason, I think it was about a week ago, I was laying in bed and I got cold sweats and I felt uncomfortable in my own skin for the first time in like two and a half years. And I turn over and um, I talked to my girlfriend and I said, I'm hungry. She's like, well, why don't you go get something to eat? I said, no, that's not what I mean. Like, I feel like a vampire and I want some blood, right? And uh, that was very uncomfortable. So I let my sponsor know. I let the people around me know. And um, I knew from what I've learned that, hey, this is going to pass. This is just part of the disease that I have um, and it's going to go away. Okay, so... Just so all the listeners know, that that's eventually going to go away, um, but you're still sick, right? So we have to maintain um, the spiritual, mental, and physical fitness that is really contingent on what I do on a daily basis. So that's just where I stay, man. I'm just trying to stay alive.
0: Yeah, I still have one thing. I mean, even I'm going, I'll have 12 years in January, and I still have one thing that Every time I see it, I still crave, you know, but if you actually look at, I'll tell this to people listening, uh, go check out what the amygdala in your brain does, and you'll understand where cravings come from. I'm not going to get into it. It'll take about five minutes to explain, and I don't have five minutes to explain it, but it kind of primes the pump when you see something, um, That happened right before. So Mm -hmm. I still, if they're drawing blood or something or having to put something in a vein and I see a register, I still break out in cold chills, get that feeling in the pit of my stomach. And that's just my amygdala playing tricks with
1: me. Right. And we like to say we can't control our first thought, right? Because usually our first thoughts are pretty sick, especially for people like us. Um, But we can control every thought and action after that first thought. Okay. Um, So that's just kind of where I like to stay with that.
0: So they talk about the gifts of recovery. What's changed in your life since you stopped using?
1: Besides Um, everything, you know, that's probably broad. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. So I used to be a server at a restaurant here in Springfield. You know, most of us are servers of some sort whenever we uh, first come in, right? Um, So a lot has changed. I was six months sober. me and my sponsor made sure I was spiritually, mentally, and physically fit. Um, I joined the United States Army. Uh, I left for six months to be a military police officer, which is even more in- insane, right? So coming from that lifestyle, um, I was nervous, you know, because they interview you, they ask you all these questions. And um, halfway through my training, I was uh, got a sense of relief because these officers that came in and spoke to us and who were teaching us said you know if we live this type of lifestyle um, you're definitely in the right spot because you don't have to be that person anymore and it's actually going to make you a better police officer in the military so i got a sigh of relief god showed up that day and a cool little story i'll share with you Um, you know i think it was four months into my training um, the commander comes down And he says, you know, we're all in formation. And he says that we're going to do a lockers check. And I, you know, I'm scared shitless because if you get caught with something, you get sent home and you don't just get sent home. You wait for about six months and then they send you home. So it's actually just better if you like grin and bear it and graduate and get the hell out. Um, So I'm the first one who ran up three stories to my my locker because being the person I am, I probably have something I shouldn't have. So I had my girlfriend send me some ibuprofen, uh, which you're like allowed to have, but you're, you shouldn't have it. Um, it's kind of like one of those taboo things. And I had her send me a phone charger and she, she sent me all this stuff in a cough drops bag, you know, cause I'm inventive because of the way I was raised. Um, So I ran upstairs and I opened the door and the commander somehow teleported three stories (laughs) and had his gloves on already and said, well, it looks like we're checking your locker first. And I'm sweating. Uh, I'm red in the face. You can tell that I was uncomfortable. So these two drill sergeants take me over to my locker and start dumping stuff out and telling me, you live like this at home, you're a pig, you know, (laughs) yelling at me and, um, Next thing he knows, he you know he finds the phone charging battery and the ibuprofen. He's like, uh huh. I was like, oh man, I'm done. I am done. And then he we're only supposed to have one reading material, right? And it should be the Bible, uh, but I brought a uh, you know a Twelve Steps Recovery book. Um, it was the Alcoholics Anonymous book, and and I think it was like the story of Bill. And uh, he was going through it. And he was like, what is this private? And I said, it's my religious material, Joe Sergeant. Because I'm not trying to give myself up, right? Because um, I'm trying to put all this behind me at this point. And he's like, it's not what I asked you. What is this? Uh, um, it's my spiritual material. It's my religious material, Joe Sergeant. He's like, fucking private, that's not what I asked you. What is it? And then he's like, looks up at me and goes, are you friend of Bill's? which is code word for <laughs> right. us, saying like, oh, you're in a 12-step program. Like, like you know some things, like you're you're recovering, um, you care about your peers, you know, you're really trying to better yourself, right? And he goes, you're a friend of Bill's? And I'm like, yes, drill sergeant, you know, getting all excited and, you know, kind of broke character, which you're not supposed to do. And a female drill sergeant by him looks up at me and goes, who the fuck's Bill? <laughs> you know, he and he protected me, he's like, I'll tell you later you know and he's like this private's good he's like put your stuff up and you know we had each other's backs and um that was a very god moment very special moment just in my career so got sidetracked from the question but joined the military um went back to school at MSU now I'm the president of Sobears over there so we help college uh, students recover whenever you know it comes time um, whenever they realize that they have a problem there. And, um, so I just remain open. I'm doing the ROTC program now. Um, very intense, but I'm continue to grow and learn. So, uh, we're just going to kind of see what God has for me. Right. So I'm just remaining open and willing. Um, and I'm just going to do the next right thing. You know, that's just where I'm at. So
0: I, it's no secret. I, I don't frequent meetings that often. Um, but I will tell you when you go on carnival cruises, you are surrounded by alcohol from the minute you get on there. I mean, they're constantly trying to push alcohol on you because it's something that's not included and they upcharge for, and every morning you get these things that are called the capers and it's kind of like the carnival cruise paper and it tells you everything that day. And I was never so relieved than when I looked at it and saw At 11 o'clock, friends with Bill W. in the library. I was just like,
1: oh. Really?
0: Yeah. So I got to go not an Oceanside meeting, but an Ocean On meeting. There you go. In a Carnival cruise ship. You know, and I needed it. I needed that support. I mean, because I have a wife that doesn't have a substance use problem, so she doesn't understand. Mm. You know, but just being surrounded by it from the minute you walk on and all these people walking by, oh, you want this? And you're like, yes, I do. Right. But no. So, yeah, that's amazing to be able to find those meetings just about anywhere.
1: You really can. Um, You know, there's an app you can download, whether it be Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12 step program. We are everywhere. So um, if you're telling yourself or if your disease is telling yourself that, oh, I can't find a meeting, you're lying. Okay, so we're out here. We're here to help.
0: Yep, I will say N A A A C A um Smart Recovery, Celebrate Recovery, All Recovery. I mean, there's so many different meetings out there, and you know, def- they're not one size fits all. So you know, I've always said I know people whose, you know heroin was their drug of choice and they go to AA, and I know people where alcohol was their drug of choice that go to NA, and I know people right. that are both that go to like Smart Recovery. Mm-hmm. So you know, just uh. I always like to quote Shorty the pimp here where he, when he said, get in where you fit in. Right. You know, but exactly. for real, yeah. when it comes to meetings, get in where you fit in. So last question, if you could travel back in time and talk to yourself the day before you used, what would you say to yourself?
1: Man, I would take myself to the side and tell myself everything's going to be okay. Um, remain willing. You know, don't get so cold don't build up those walls to where i think i know everything um you know ask for help seek out the solution but i'd really just give myself a big hug and be like you're gonna be all right you know that's honestly the the one thing i would do for myself or tell myself because it's worked out i mean it's it's been great it's been really good so far you know i can truly say i'm happy joyous and free today um, and I don't have to wear that mask. And, you know, I can be unfiltered and be myself. And and I realize whenever I mess up, right? And that's the beauty of it. Um, I know whenever I fail and I can grow and learn from those things. And that's what life's about. You know, I don't have to, re, you know, keep this image of I am holier than thou and I'm perfect and I'm going to follow all the rules. You know, I still try to do that to this day, but... Um I also know that I'm human and that uh, God is very forgiving and at least my God is and um you know we can grow from that.
0: Yeah, if it, if I could ever get another tattoo, I would make it extremely visible if I ever get another one and it will say no regrets. <laughs> I'd love to make a t-shirt too. on the front says no regrets," And on the back, it says, never regret your mistakes because they made you who you are today.
1: Yeah, I truly feel that way. You know, um, I've thought about before, you know, would I go back and do it different if I could? And honestly, I wouldn't. You know, that's the crazy thing. And that, that might just be the insane thoughts that I have. But um, the fact that I can deal with life's problems... You know as they come the way that i can today i wouldn't trade it for anything because i have friends who don't have this disease right and they're living life and they're having all these issues and they deal with them in all the wrong ways in my mind in my opinion right so from what i know now i know that they could be more happy joyous and free than the way they're dealing with these issues and now that i have these 12-step programs and i can apply them to my life I really am just that. I feel that much better. Um, that might not be true, though, right? Because all our perceptions are different. Um, but that's just that's just what I tell myself, and I'm really thankful for it. And I really wouldn't take it back, you know. And I have all this life experience that hopefully I can carry over into my military career. And uh, you know, I'm not afraid for anybody else to know what happened to me um, because I'm not going back. And that's not what I want for myself. And that's not what I want for my peers either, right? So there's a lot of other mental health issues that are, that are going on these days, and I feel like I'm more equipped to help you know, my peers um, get through these tough top obstacles, right? So um, I have this toolkit, this toolbox, and I'm going to share those tools, right? And hopefully people will pick them up and use them.
0: That's awesome. So I'm going to tell a quick story. I'm going to give a closing thought and then I'm going to ask Wayne to give, you know, parting words, but kind of to piggyback on what you said twice. Um, First one is a story. So I got to go in right after the Joplin tornado and do psychological first aid Um, where psychological first aid, if you don't know anything about it, honestly, it's the easiest thing in the world. Um, you love on people meet them where they're at. If they're mad, you're like, man, I'd be mad too. Do you have something to drink? Do you have any, when's the last time you ate? Do you have a safe place to sleep tonight? Right. Um, oh my gosh, I'd be scared too. You know, I mean, you basically validate their feelings and just make sure that their general needs are met. And I saw people that were like filthy, crazy rich, just shattered. They're like, I can't get into the bank You get my money. My car's destroyed. I don't right. know what to do. And I saw, I got to go to a 12-step meeting that was a bunch of people sitting on the ground outside of the building where they were at. They were fine. they lost everything before. They were like, you know, got to get, (laughs) got to build it back up again. Used to it. You know, they already had their foundation and their supports there where a lot of people had never really had to have those supports. So they didn't have that foundation already built. Right. You know, so, and then my closing thought is also another piggyback if you are happy where you're at. I mean, am I perfect? No. Am I where I want to be? No. SAMHSA, part of that recovery definition is um, that strive to reach your full potential, and I'm never going to reach my full potential, so every day is a day to grow. But at the end of the day, I like my life. I like where I'm at today. And I had to go through everything. Every horrific thing that ever happened to me had to happen. Every dumb thing I've ever... Every time I've been a full-time knucklehead, I had to make those uh, negative choices in order for me to have the life I have today. So if... One thing would have changed. I might not be married to my wife. I might not have my son. I might not have my daughter. I might not have an amazing life and recovery that I have today. So don't regret your past. Just work through it. If you need professional help for mental health issues, for trauma, by all means, get that professional help. But man, the things that we overcome in our past are what allow us to grow and become monsters you know, uh, of recovery and monsters of hope what I like to call hope dealers in our present. So any parting words for the people listening?
1: Man, just get your ass to a meeting if you need it. (laughs) And just know (laughs) that God has been watching over you um, before, during, and he will continue to watch over you. Um, So don't shut him out. You know He's trying to get your attention. So uh, just be willing to make those changes, and we're here to help you through that.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's a the Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can uh, we're on Twitter, uh, BLIR underscore NPO. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. Want to talk about a new movie? Check